We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. There is something true about that open right there, Corey. Can you guess what I'm going to tell you it is? Uh, is it the part about a worker working at a job for 30 years and they kick him in the butt and tell him a computer stole his job? Uh, I mean, not the fact that, you know, it, uh, it kicked him in the butt with stolen a job, but computers pretty much run everything now. That's correct. Yeah, because uh, my computer here has decided to take a very long time to load up this morning. Mm, we love it. And I'm just now finally getting into TweetDeck. Mm-hmm. It's just one aspect of the show that I need to have for uh, everything going on this morning. We've really been spoiled with uh, how the times that computers have and loading time specifically. Like the time it takes to boot a computer is one of the big indicators of because I I'm older than you. I'm pretty sure. I remember like getting like the first Windows 3.1 type of PC and how long like a boot process took. Like two, three, four minutes for that computer to read all 14 megabits of that hard drive <laughs> so that I could turn itself on. And now, like, when my phone doesn't boot up in 15 seconds, I'm like, oh, man, do I got to get a new one? Is it, like, toast now? What's up? It's taking way too long for it to turn on instantly. Like, we just have no patience anymore. Yeah, we. Sh- I mean, with this computer, I mean, the, that the one's logic- booting oh, this one- at 90s times. Yeah. Like, it's really This hustling. one is a dial-up level right now. And it's really bad. I mean, you could you could say, well, take take like the the aerosol spray can and dust the crap out of the hardware and see what happens. I think this computer has had that happen a dozen times in like the last six months, and it's just a really old computer. Your computer is so old and slow; it's being scouted by the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think I think this computer, because this is the same computer that Howard uses every morning. I think this is the reason why he's late to break every single time because <laughs> he thinks he's on time. The poor guy. He's yeah, like- the, the computer probably tells him it's just. Just like, oh, hey, it's 625 on this cock up here That's on right. the wall, but on the computer, it's only 618. You've it's, still got plenty of time for the break. I've never seen a computer put its hands on its knees and pants before when it's tried to do a calculation, <laughs> but like, there's a first time for everything. 
There is a first time for everything, and, and this computer here, here we go. We're finally up and running. All right, so I guess we can start the show now. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Nate's out and about and. Who knows where, Colorado or something like that, but he uh, he's he's unavailable for this weekend, so I was lucky enough to get the call uh, from the bullpen to come in and relieve him for, uh, for three hours here on a Saturday. It's 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th of July to everybody for all our Canadian listeners as well. Happy belated Canada Day, which happened on Thursday. Hope you guys enjoyed your day up north. Hope everybody enjoys their weekend here in the States. And we're here with you for the next three hours to talk plenty of hockey. We're going to talk a little baseball. Maybe we'll throw in some football as well. But lots going on in the hockey world, especially since the hiring of Don Granato as the next full-time head coach of the NHL. Granato obviously was the interim head coach of the Sabres for the final 28 games of the season. And the work that he put in was enough for the Sabres to officially hire him as the next head coach. And yesterday I got the chance to talk to you, filling in for the instigators and talking about what exactly that we heard from Don Granato that we liked and that uh, that helped him get this job with the Buffalo Sabres on a full-time basis. And today, now we're now we're going to be looking ahead. We're kind of putting that in the rearview mirror. And now we're looking ahead to what's next for Kevin Adams. So you can join the show at any point this morning into the afternoon. You could call us 716-803-0550. That's the same number that you can text us on. You can text us at any point during the show. You can follow me on Twitter at BJ Wilson WGR. You can follow the station at WGR 550. Uh, and Corey Griswold, who is back on Twitter now, he, he uh, the last time I hosted with him, he was uh, not on Twitter, but he's back now. On special assignment. There there you go. It's uh, at Corey Griswold. Corey with an E, right? Cool. That's Very correct. Very good. Yeah, so, the proper uh, 80 spelling. <laughs> Very good. So you can join the show at any point. You can you can comment in with your thoughts, your questions, uh, and let's have some fun on this Saturday. It's Fourth of July weekend. We're all just kind of here. We're hanging out. We're going to be uh, off on Monday. No local programming on Monday. The only thing that's going to be different about Monday is that there's going to be Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final, and it could be the last game of the Stanley Cup Final. We'll definitely talk about the Stanley Cup Final coming up a later, little bit later on this morning into the afternoon. We're going to have Marty Biron, the hockey media mogul, coming up at the bottom of this hour. We'll talk to him about the Don Granato hiring, what's next for the Sabres, as well as get his thoughts on the Stanley Cup Final. We'll speak with Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. He's in Montreal. We'll get his thoughts on the Final, what's next for the Sabres, and get the latest and maybe see if a potential Jack Eichel trade could happen at any point now that Don Granato is hired as the head coach. The head coaching search is over, and... Maybe some interesting thoughts on what's going on with the draft because uh, both the top prospects were talked to this week and they said during their chats with Mike Morial from NHL.com, Sabres haven't talked to him yet. Maybe it's because the Sabres were too busy with the coaching search. Maybe there's another plan going forward. Who Maybe knows? there's only two guys in the building. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then at 1 o'clock, we'll talk some baseball and some hockey with Pat Malacaro. He's going to be down at Salem Field watching the Blue Jays play today. Blue Jays taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a 3 o'clock first pitch today for Toronto. If you're going to the ballpark, it'll uh, it'll be a little bit chillier than usual. I mean, yesterday was, was much more chillier uh, than in days past just because yesterday was only like 
67 for a high temperature and it hailed here up north which was which was something a little bit of pea-sized hail so uh so yeah we'll talk some baseball we'll talk some hockey with pat we'll get his thoughts on the hiring of Don Granado as the full-time head coach and what's next for the Buffalo Sabers and uh and yesterday by the way if you uh, if you were interested the Blue Jays they happened to beat the Rays their AL East division rival and and beat them pretty good 11 to 1 was the final score so the Blue Jays they uh they continue to have a very up and down sort of tenure here in Buffalo it seems like you know at times, they have a really good run. They win a few games, and then they have a series like last series against the Mariners where they play two of three and they lose two of three and lose them not all that great. But then they come in here against the Rays and they clobber them. So we'll get some thoughts on the Blue Jays with Pat. We'll get some thoughts on the Sabres and much more. And again, you can join us at any point throughout the morning today. 803-0550 is our number. And if you need the toll-free number, you're more than welcome to use that still. It's still available, one 550 2550 So I started off this morning on our uh, on Twitter asking pretty much, let's put you in the shoes of Kevin Adams for just one day. If you had one day to be in the shoes of Kevin Adams, what's your next move as the general manager of the Sabres? What moves are you making to help improve this roster? Is it trading Jack Eichel? Is it keeping Jack Eichel and trading Sam Reinhardt? Is it keeping both? Trading Rasmus Ristolainen and trading for a goalie? Is it buying out contracts? Is it what? What exactly are you looking to do with this roster if you are in Kevin Adams' shoes right now? You could join us at any point. You could give us your thoughts, any comments that you have on that topic. And I also have a little fun topic. We'll especially dive into this at noon right before Elliot Freeman. Let's have some fun today. I already got a lot of responses. We'll go through some of these because uh, people's ideas of mock trades are always fun, Corey. And this mock trade, I'm sure, is is just they're just going to be a wide oh. array of responses to this. Oh God! Oh boy! Give me a mock Jack Eichel trade that you want to pass along. It can be legitimate. It can be crazy. It can be fun. However you want to go about it, I'm more than willing to read it. I'm more than willing to share it on the show as long as it's appropriate, of course. You're more than welcome to pass along any crazy Jack Eichel or legitimate Jack Eichel trade, mock trades that you have. Because, um, well, it seems at this point, at least, Jack Eichel's getting traded. And... That's that's much to my dismay. I don't really want to trade Jack Eichel. And I've said for months and, and it feels like years now that the only way I'm trading Jack Eichel is if he literally says he wants out. And after his end-of-season conference call where he was talking about a disconnect between the team and pretty much saying that he's focusing on himself and, and wanting to be the player that he is wherever he is, that pretty much, to me, signaled, okay, that's as close to a trade request to get him out of Dodge without actually saying, I want out. So at that point, I it pretty much was, okay, Jack Eichel's probably getting traded. And who knows, Sam Reinhart might get traded as well. He doesn't want to be part of another rebuild here in Buffalo, which... <laughs> It's hard to blame him. It's hard to blame anybody for wanting to be here for another rebuild. It's hard for a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen to be here for three straight times of saying almost the exact same thing when he was 
talking at his end-of-season conference call. Hey, uh, I know that moves are going to be made. I'm one of the first people that's probably going to be moved, and I don't care. He said that three straight years, and Ryan O'Reilly said one year, one end-of-season conference call, I've lost my love for hockey. Boom, gone. And Rasmus Ristolainen sticks around for two years after making similar comments, and this year he made it again, so we'll see if third time's a charm. Does he stay with the Sabres longer than Eichel? Is he the last one in the building of, oh. of this? Of like, because oh. to me that is that's the funny. I mean, part. I, I mean, listen. Given how Eichel and Reinhardt can bring you value, and Ristolainen is a huge question mark. As if any value is coming your way, that's a legitimate question to ask. Because if you t- ask the Sabers, hey, look, I, we all know about Ristolainen's weak spots, and it makes him difficult to trade. The Sabers would be like, "What are you talking about? He's great. We play him twenty-five minutes a night. We love him." It's there's one team that really likes Rasmus Ristolainen because of how they use him and it's the Buffalo Sabres and nobody else would say Rasmus Ristolainen should be played the way you're playing him so it's like it's this huge self-inflicted wound that stretches across general managers and coaches is Rasmus Ristolainen this, this like conundrum of a hockey player he's big he's tall he's mean we should play him this way and Everybody else who watches him is like, absolutely not. You're doing it wrong. He should be like your second pair or third pair and play him on the power play, and that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen, this tale, we, I think we've talked about this plenty of times, where he's a guy that certainly has some upside for the type of defenseman that he was touted about, but he gets too many minutes in the NHL, and he gets thrown at in all sorts of situations, and sometimes it's... It's a little bit of information overload, I feel like, for Ristolainen. And that's why I think we saw a little bit better of a version with Ristolainen when Kruger came in. Because Kruger simplified things so easily for a guy like Ristolainen. It was just like, go out there and just be yourself. Play your game. Don't worry about the complex stuff that goes into a defensive system. Just just do you. And I think Ristolainen got that so easily that he actually started looking better and then when Don Granado took over, we saw other st- players step up, more players step up their own game. And Ristolainen kind of, I didn't, I don't necessarily want to say went back and reverted to the his same. old ways. Just stayed the same. He kind of stayed the same, maybe regressed just a little bit. But like it was, it was clear cut where it was just like, hey, like Ralph Kruger actually helped Rasmus Ristolainen, but ev- almost everybody else on the roster, it was a really bad thing for him yeah. to be in the position that he was. It, the way the Sabres use him almost guarantees negative outcomes for them when they're on the ice and when he's on the ice because of his usage and everything they do for him. That's not true of Sam Reinhart. That's not true of Jack Eichel. When they use them, they produce great outcomes for them. In fact, you could say that Reinhardt was underutilized until he got played at center and started really taking off with Granato there, even though he was, but for most of the year, he was consistently good for them. Right. And that Ristolainen, would be the one who stays to do more damage to the team beyond losing Reinhardt and Eichel, would be catastrophic. Like, the first guy that should go is Ristolainen. And you should do everything you can to keep Eichel and to keep Reinhardt and to keep that together because taking that one defenseman who's played 10 minutes too long every night off the ice and replaced with somebody else where you distribute the load and everybody's playing better probably gets them how many more wins a season? Five, six, and if you have a good goaltender, you may be looking at ten wins. And if right. you're looking at ten wins, suddenly you're you're at eighth place yeah. or seventh place, and you're in the playoffs, and you can stop worrying about this garbage. Yeah, and I, I mean, for a guy like Ristolainen, 
He's, I mean, he puts up production. He does because he's put on the power play. He's a good kind of guy you throw out on the point at the power play, a second power play unit guy, definitely not a first power play unit guy. He doesn't have to be at the, you know, doesn't have to be in front of the net. I know that some people like the idea of him being thrown in front of the net, but he's a guy that could be an offensive contributor, but he needs his his minutes limited big time. And Throughout his entire tenure here, he was thrown right into the fire. He was thrown and given a bunch of minutes, and I think it was a bunch of information overload for him. And I think a lot of teams around the league see Ristolainen, see his advanced stats, and kind of see what kind of happens when that situation is is presented to him. And I think a lot of teams are saying, eh, we should probably avoid that, or unless they have a plan that is perfect for Ristolainen. Like, for example, if Ristolainen gets traded to Tampa Bay, I think he's great on Tampa Bay because they know how to yeah, utilize their the group. Right. right, exactly. If you give him to a really good team like a Tampa Bay, I mean, even like a Colorado, he's going to play bottom pair minutes. But that's perfect for Ristolainen. And if he's going to be given offensive opportunities, then that's even more better for him. And it works for him more because he is given less of a workload for himself. And it's fine. Which is a big problem structurally for the Sabres because if... if the Sabres keeping Ristolainen means they're going to continue to utilize him incorrectly. They're going to utilize other players incorrectly. That's a system problem. That's a organization problem. Yeah. yeah, and I think that if, I mean, at this point, and I wrote about this just before the start of the shortened season. Actually, it was, might have been just before the draft and free agency began in October or something like that. I gotta remember when exactly I wrote this, but I wrote an article that was very similar, or that not very similar, but it it was an idea that at this point you might just want to trade Ristolainen for whatever you can get. First off, you're freeing a cap at a five point four million dollars, which would be huge for the Sabers, and especially if you're going to trade Jack Eichel too. And you're not going to have to worry about paying Sam Reinhardt if you trade him. And then you're going to lose somebody to a Seattle expansion team. I was speaking with Brian Duff yesterday, the Sabres uh, in-game TV host. And pretty much he, he made the point where it's just like you're going to free up a bunch of money just by trading these guys and letting one guy go in the expansion draft alone. You're freeing up about $16 million off your cap hit, which is huge. Because then you can make other bigger moves to help your roster, whether that's acquiring another player to, to come in or, you know, utilizing that money to sign a, a better player, offer sheet somebody. You get all that cap space, why not just offer sheet somebody? But then everybody's going to say, well, you're going to lose all your draft picks. It's just like, yeah, I get it. But if you're bringing in the right person in an offer sheet, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Well, the but. Sabres want to spend that money that they're saving, though. Because yeah. they seem to be interested in saving money, not necessarily sure. spending it again. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, it's just like, with a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen, to, back to your question with, you know, is he going to be the last one out the door of these three? I absolutely could see that. I think, I, I mean, at this point, kind of. Lo- if I was in the shoes of Kevin Adams, my next objective here is to kind of evaluate when the right timing is for an Eichel trade. I mean, if a trade offer comes in today for Jack Eichel and it's the best you're going to get, then, you know, sure, make the trade now. But I, but personally, I almost feel that a trade for Jack Eichel isn't going to come probably until just, be- like, I mean... Literally in that 48-hour period between the expansion draft, right after the expansion draft, and right before the draft. Yeah, and I mean, uh, when do we find out who the Sabres have protected and not protected for the expansion so draft? The, so the list has to be into the NHL and to Seattle by the 17th of July. So that's about 14 days away, 13, 14 days away. Right. So about two weeks. 
So that list has to be in by that point of who you're protecting, who you're exposing. And the next day, the 18th, the NHL has to approve it. So then the 21st of the draft lottery, Wednesday the 21st, and I'm I'm guessing some point between the 17th and the 21st is when they might let everybody know when you know who's being protected and who's not. Do you think the Sabers leave uh, Ristolainen unprotected? I mean, they should. If they don't, if they don't, Corey, don't give me that. look. I'm giving you that look, buddy. Because oh. you think they listen. What what have we watched the past 15 years here? What are we talking about? I know. You think they're going to make good decisions? Where have they made good decisions? I mean, I mean. It should be a no-brainer. You have to protect Will Borgen over Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, listen, everybody, like somebody said it yesterday, I think it was uh, Paul Hamilton who was on the air yesterday on the morning show, said something like everybody is, uh, there. a bunch of people are saying they're expecting Will Borgen to right. be left or unprotected. Or Rasmus Asplund to be unprotected. Right. And, 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 like, Both of which sound like stupid things to yes. do. I've I've read a lot of the mock expansion drafts from people from the Athletic and people from Bleacher Report or NHL. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of them. And a lot of these guys have the Sabres losing a guy like Will Borgen or losing a guy like Rasmus Asplund or losing a guy like Anders Bjork. And I just think in my head, you're not protecting Rasmus Ristolainen over Will Borgen. I get it. Will Borgen is not exactly the offensive producer like Rasmus Ristolainen can be. But here's the thing. Borgen is just as physical as Ristolainen is. He skates just as well, if not almost better than Ristolainen does. And he can handle a lot of minutes that are thrown his way. He's a workhorse. He goes out there in any situation, in every situation, and could produce and do well. Again, he's not a big offensive guy, but if you put him, and I think we saw this a little bit last year, if you put a guy like Will Borgen with a player like Erasmus Dahlin on his left side and Borgen's on the right side, you can let a player like Rasmus Dahlin do his thing while Will Borgen is going to be responsible enough and smart enough to know what he's doing back in his other end or if the play comes the other way. It, it, it is just one of those things where are you really going to expose a guy who is ready to jump into the NHL right now. He proved it last year in the work that he put in, and he's developed throughout your system, so you should know him pretty well. Are you really willing to expose him and potentially give him up or you know, have to give up more assets to make sure Seattle doesn't take him? Or are you just going to, you know, or would you protect him and expose a guy who's got one more year left on his deal? You know exactly what he's going to give you, and there's nothing more he can do except everybody still thinks he's a valuable player in the NHL and that he's got much more to give. I completely disagree with those people. I mean, it, it is a no-brainer that they should be protecting Will Borgen over Rasmus Ristolainen. And, of course, you have to protect a guy like Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Okiharu in expansion sure. draft. We went through the expansion draft a few weeks ago. We did a mock expansion draft with the Sabres and who you're protecting, who you're exposing. And I think you exposed Anders Bjork and I exposed Tage Thompson. Right. We both agreed, like, Rasmus Asplund is a valuable asset. He's a good two-way player. He can play power play. He can play penalty yep. kill. He's a very nice the depth piece. Act kind of guy they desperately need right. playing their third and fourth line. Minutes. Exactly, exactly. And to let him be exposed. I mean, I mean, I think personally, here's the thing that that I was thinking about on my way in. The only way a Jack Eichel trade to me happens at this point is if Kevin Adams feels that he's not going to be able to protect one of his younger assets that he wants to, and and give Seattle like an extra pick to say, hey, take. Colin Miller, take Rasmus Ristolainen instead of a Tage Thompson or an Anders Bjork or a Rasmus Asplund, one of those younger guys. 
If he can't figure something out like that, then maybe he has to trade Jack Eichel in order to be able to protect that one asset. And then in return, you get a piece that you are comfortable exposing in the draft. You know, maybe a guy that does have a bigger cap hit but can still help contribute. If Seattle takes him, whatever. If you don't, then you get the guy, you let him play out his contract here one or two years or whatever it is and move on. And then the assets that you're getting in, like the younger assets or the first-round pick, obviously the first-round pick doesn't matter, but you know your younger assets, your prospects that are coming in, you don't have to worry about protecting them in, a, in the expansion draft. They're ineligible to be picked or whatever. So that's also something else to factor in the situation, but it's 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 why it makes it so interesting heading into these next couple of weeks here because – are we going to see a Jack Eichel trade for purposes of, you know, moving on from him and then allowing yourself to protect other younger assets? I don't think that's necessarily what the mindset is because you still have to get the best value you can for a Jack Eichel trade, but it just is another wrench to throw into the whole scenario in the situation. So I wonder where Granado comes into this because Granado impressed a lot of people because he seemed to understand how and where players should be used on the ice more so than a lot of people who had been in that organization previously going back a long time. So Granado having a sense of, like, we're going to play Reinhardt at center, we're going to give these guys minutes, those guys minutes, and seeing all those boats rise, right? If he and Adams are talking, you would expect Granado to kind of impart that kind of viewpoint of, like, this is these are the guys who we're going to be using. These This is their best utilization. These are the guys who are maybe expendable because their usage does not fit into the thing that we're trying to do. If they can do the one thing they have not been able to do for 15 years, which is to correctly identify the talent they have and play it correctly, and if that changes with Granado, you need to move the guys who have still have the advantage of like convincing the league they're good. If, if the reason people say Will Borgen was available in the expansion draft is because their assumption is, well, you have to protect Ristolainen. Good. Their marks, you can con them. Yep. And if they're national reporters, they sound like the dudes they talk to who all work in the other front offices. So it's plausible. You can find a front office dumb enough to take Rasmus Ristolainen and give you something back. It should be an easy trade to make. He's affordable. He wants to go... He's got all the kinds of tools that convince you that he can be good. Right. He's the easiest trade for them to make. Yeah. And you and, and at this point, again, you just even if you have to retain a little bit of salary with Ristolainen, you trade him, you get him off the roster, you open up some some cap space, and you get the best value you can. Vegas traded Nate Schmidt last year, who's a better defenseman than Rasmus Ristolainen, and can play both left and right side, and he was. I think it was like a fifth-round pick that they got back for him from Vancouver. Yes, I get it. They had to open up cap space so they can make the the Alex Petrangelo signing. But at the same point, it's one of those situations where, okay, we have to get this guy off our roster somehow. It's a different situation given for Vegas compared to Buffalo because Ristolainen has openly said, like, you know, I don't want to be here for another rebuild or, you know, hey, I know I'm going to be traded, you know, because changes are coming. At this point, if you're willing to make that trade, just make the trade, make it happen, and get it over it's with. It's so easy to make the joke, but they got to call Edmonton. They <laughs> love dudes like him. Like, And and you just call him to be like, listen, give us a pick and give us one of the kids from the from the, from the the farm team that we like, and we'll get out of your hair, I mean, and you can get this guy and they, play him 40 minutes a night. They could call Jim Benning in Vancouver, too. Jim, Let's yeah. squeeze in a quick phone call here. Bobby in Niagara Falls has been sitting on hold for a while. Bobby, you're on WGR. Go right ahead. Hi, Braden. Um, uh, hi, Corey. My buddy thinks, of course, that they should trade Eichel and Reinhardt, but I'd like to keep both of them. But 
can you how can you keep two players that want to be traded? Doesn't that mean they would try less and that would be bad for morale? What's how how do you keep people that want to be traded? Can you do that? I mean, certainly anything can change. It's it's <laughs> I mean, we we definitely don't know exactly what how the inner workings of the Sabres work. I mean, that's why we're sports talk hosts. We we talk and we speculate and we'll we'll we banter off people back and forth. I, I appreciate the call, Bobby. Thank you. It is difficult to try and make someone happy like a Jack Eichel or Sam Reinhart where they've been here for as long as they have and they've known nothing but losing. They haven't even come close to the playoffs once. I get it. You could say, well, they were three points away from making the return to play plan and that would be considered playoffs, which the NHL sometimes doesn't consider it playoffs. I consider it playoffs, but they haven't even come close to making the playoffs since they've been here. They had that nice little 10-game win streak. That's probably the high point of the entire drought for the Sabres. This entire 10-year drought that they've had. They've matched an NHL record for the longest playoff drought in NHL history. Do you see it ending anytime soon? I don't think Jack Eichel sees it ending anytime soon. I don't think Sam Reinhardt sees it ending anytime soon. Because those guys have done everything they can to try and help this team win. But when you look at what the other moves that management has made over the years... Those guys have been your top-line contributors. I mean, especially when they went on the 10-game win streak, it was Reinhardt, Eichel, and Jeff Skinner on the left wing. Those guys were putting up all the production, and everybody else in the lineup just, it wasn't enough. They didn't have the depth to be able to continue that success after that 10-game run. You saw the fallback that they had afterwards. I, I just, it, it is so hard to be able to see how these guys want to stick around at this point now especially after all the losing that they've done. It's really, really tough, and I hate to say it because I want to keep these guys. I'm with you there, Bobby. But at the same point, if these guys are so set on being, you know, moving on, they don't want to be part of a rebuild. I get it. I don't think this team's going to be competitive and be a playoff contender for at least another couple years unless the returns they get in the Eichel and Reinhardt trades are so good and they get the right assets back that it it helps them turn around. But it, I just think it's such a tough task for Kevin Adams, a guy who's only been a general manager for about a year and a half now, not even a year and a half. It's, it's only been a little over a full year that he's been a GM. And before that, he had zero experience in a front office as a hockey operations manager. He worked as a vice president of business administration. That's the business side of hockey, not the hockey operations side. There, it's, it's, it's difficult to kind of pan out and project... It's tough to see why they'd want to stay, but it is what it is. 8030550. Thank you for the call, Bobby. We got to step aside, take a break, because I got Marty Baron coming up next. He's going to be joining me to talk about the Don Granado hiring, the Stanley Cup final, and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll catch up with Marty for a little bit, and then again, Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman coming up at twelve thirty, and then Pat Melicaro coming up on one o'clock. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary on Sports Talk Saturday today on WGR. No matter what music you love or when you love to listen, Odyssey's new exclusive stations, including Tailgate Crashers and Arena Rock, are expertly curated for sports listeners like you. Introducing hundreds of new exclusive music stations available now only on Odyssey. 
Welcome back here on Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton and Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. Nate's away out of town for the weekend. So I'm here. Happy 4th of July weekend to everybody. Again, a reminder, we will be off from local programming on Monday to observe the 4th of July holiday, and then we'll be back for normal programming on Tuesday. Joining me right now on the Western Hotline is the hockey media mogul himself. Martin Biron joins me right now on WGR. Marty, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy weekend. Happy belated Canada Day to you, good sir. Well, happy belated Canada Day to you as well. Happy early 4th of July. And uh, I think you got Elliot Friedman coming on later. So I do. I would suggest he's the mogul, he's the insider. I would just uh, kind of tag along with these, these people. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I mean, you you are the the OG hockey media mogul, Marty. We, we coined that phrase for you. I mean, geez, what was it, three years ago now with that that super lucrative open? It was a great open, and I wish we still had it because I would play it every time you join the show. But (laughs) it is what it is. Uh, Maybe I'll ask upper management if we can bring back that open at some point for you. That would be great. But every time Howard Simon gives somebody a nickname, it has to stick, right? So he was the one that came up with it, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that is going to stick for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he also has the nickname Hose to him, so, I mean, that that's that's a great nickname as well. He didn't come up with it himself. I think it was when they went to Columbus on, like, a hockey trip or something. Jeremy and a bunch of the other people on the bus came up with it, and it just stuck ever since. It's weird how nicknames work, right? <laughs> that That is how nicknames work, and the best ones are the ones that are in, unexpected. Like, they just happen. Uh, I, I still i am with PD. We talk about it on the Instigators a lot. Nicknames now in the, in the sports world, but mostly hockey, are so boring. I can't like I want to see these fun uh, nickname that uh, that would come back like they, they used to have them, uh, you know, thirty forty years ago. Right, Marty Baron joining me here on the West Her Hotline as we're talking some hockey today. As the Sabers made the official hire of Don Granado on Tuesday, officially introduced him to the Buffalo media on Thursday, made the news official. And now the offseason, Marty, it's going to get a really interesting. But before we dive into that, just want to get your overall thoughts on the hire of Don Granado and if you feel this was the right move for the Sabres going forward. Absolutely. I thought there was only two options moving forward. One was Don Granado, and, and when he was moved to the interim coach of the Sabres after the firing of Ralph Kruger, I thought this is only to finish the season, reset in the offseason, and let's see what the Sabres and Kevin Adams will do for the upcoming year. Uh, then I watched the Sabres, first of all, in practice, uh, but also in games, and, and there was so much to like with how Don Granado uh, would push the guys in practice. The pace was better. They didn't practice a whole lot, but you could see a big difference, and most importantly, the system that, uh, that he played with. Uh, it, it looked like an NHL team. Uh, the positioning was good, and then, you, you know, you see the – uh, the turnaround in the year that Rasmus Dahlin had, that Casey Mills, that Tate Thompson, the young players. So I think this bodes well for the Buffalo Sabres. So the option one was Don Granado. Option two was, for me, go after somebody like Gerard Gallant. Uh, but I think Gerard Gallant had pretty much his pick of the litter, and uh, the Rangers came in and after a really nice world championship where uh, he got gold medal for Team Canada, Gerard Gallant uh, got to go to the New York Rangers. So I... I was happy for him. That's a good spot for Gerard Gallant. 
but I'm happy for the Sabres because I think uh, Don Granado is the right pick. Who do you think this hire benefits the most? I talked with your your partner on the Sabres TV broadcast, Brian Duff, yesterday, and I'll ask you the same question. If there's anybody on this roster that it has benefited the most that Don Granado is sticking around, who is it? And I know that we saw a bunch of these younger players really turn around their games after the firing of Kruger and, and Don Granado taking over and allow them to be themselves on the ice, but who do you feel that this move benefits the most going forward now into the longer-term picture? Oh, I think it's uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, you look at the numbers, uh, first half of the season, he was minus 30 or whatnot in, in uh, not even 30 games. Uh, the numbers were atrocious. And then in the second half, although I believe the team talent-wise was not as good because you didn't have Eichel, you didn't have Taylor Hall, you didn't have Eric Stahl, you didn't have Lena Solmark, you didn't have Jake McCabe, you didn't have a lot of players. Uh, but the team was better, and Rasmus Dallin was way better, and his numbers showed that way. Uh, simple things. Like, I, I do believe Phil Housley, Ralph Berger kind of played the same defensive system where it was more man-on-man. Guys were chasing all over the place. And I don't think that really worked well for a guy like Rasmus Dallin. He was used to playing more of his zone coverage. You've got your quadrant. You're not chasing anybody. And that helps transitioning for Dallin because – he, he knows where he's got to be. He knows he can support from the weak side. And then all of a sudden you saw Dallin, you know, jump in the rush. You saw him carry the puck through the neutral zone. Uh, and he didn't have to spend 40, 45 seconds in his own defensive zone and then tired and can't go up the ice. So I think it really benefited uh, Rasmus Dallin and the way that he, uh, that he likes to play and playing to his strengths. Marty Baron joining us here on the Wester Hotline, the Sabres this week. Introducing Don Granado as the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres, the 20th head coach in franchise history. So now with the head coaching hire out of the way, Marty, what do you believe is next going forward for the Sabres? Is it mainly focusing on the draft and the expansion draft? Is it, I I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of everything with also the Jack Eichel move going on, but how do you think Kevin Adams plays this out here Going forward, could we see a Jack Eichel trade happen before the expansion draft? What do you think happens? Well, I've been on the record saying I don't think Jack Eichel is getting traded uh, this summer. So, I mean, that to me, uh, there's too many obstacles in the way. One is cap hit uh, moving forward. There's not a lot of teams that can afford a $10 million cap hit for five years because the flat, uh, the flat cap, the cap's not going up, the revenue's have not been where uh, they wanted to, especially with the pandemic, and it's going to take years to recover. Two, the return has to be unbelievable for for Kevin Adams to make the trade. So you know, teams have to be willing to uh, to take a you know a flyer and 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 get rid of top end prospects and really good players. So I don't know that that's going to happen. And three is the health of Jack Eichel. So there's too many things in the way. I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm on the minority. Uh, when it comes to that, you'll talk to Elliot Friedman, and Elliot will probably tell you uh, it's uh, it's eminent that a Jack Eichel trade is happening. So um, I don't have any information. These guys have most of the information, but I, I just don't see it happening. But for Kevin Adams, I think he's got to look at trading players. He's got to look at what will get him the best value. He's got to be able to get prospects. He's got to be able to get NHL players that will make a difference. Um, and you look at Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus Ristolainen, that's probably two of the players that can get you the best return. So that's where you're spending your time right now. you got the coach uh, search done. You, you picked your head coach. 
Now you got to work on the trades and seeing if there's value in any of your players that you may be looking to trade. Um, I, I read something somewhere that uh, uh, the Sabres have not talked to Owen Power yet. Why? Because they're sit at number one. They don't need to go in and do a deep interview process to see what they're going to do at number one. They have to figure out what else can they do now before expansion draft, before the draft, to be able to maximize the value of something that they would be in the works with, uh, with trade. So that, that's what I think is the next step. Uh, on the agenda for Kevin Adams. Speaking of that number one draft, it is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, with Owen Power and Matthew Beneers, they're arguably the one-two right at the top of the draft. Do you see this any way the Sabres don't take Owen Power and maybe take Matthew Beneers? What are your thoughts on how they approach that number one pick? No, I don't think there's any, in my opinion, uh, after talking to many experts and, and people that do their draft list and that seen those players play, uh, at the under 18 or at Michigan or whatnot. Um, I think it's Owen Power, number one. Uh, listen, he's not, in my opinion, he's not going to be playing for the Sabres next year. So this is not where you have to draft a guy and bring him into your lineup. And I think long term, I really like a big, strong, steady defenseman like Owen Power. You have Rasmus Dallin, that is more your puck-moving, up-the-ice defenseman. You have a young Henry Okiaru. You have Will Borgen, that is more of a stay-at-home physical. You've got a great, you know, great bones on the back end right now, and adding an Owen Power would, would solidify that probably for the next seven, eight years, right? So uh, it's not about next season. It's about the long, the, the, the long game. But I really believe Owen Power is the guy that uh, – uh, that the Sabres would, would be uh, benefiting and, and picking this year at number one overall. And then if you can make an Eichel trade or a Reinhardt trade or whatnot, and you can get a, another top 10 pick, um, then you can look at uh, maybe uh, you know Matt Berniers, although people think he's going to go second overall. But there's a lot of other good talent in the top 10, and that's going to be interesting to see what the Sabres would do with that. Corey and I were having this discussion, Marty, just before we had gone to break and gotten to you about the the potential of a Rasmus Ristolainen move, and just and also the idea of how they approach that position going forward with the expansion draft. I mean, with one year left on his deal at five point four million dollars, and I think a lot of teams know exactly what Rasmus Ristolainen brings to the table. How do they how do they approach him going into the offseason where? He's openly said for three straight years now, either the fact that I know that change is coming, I'm likely one of the first people out. And he also said this year he's not open for a, for a, uh, a rebuild here in Buffalo, and he needs to get to the playoffs. How do they approach Rasmus Ristolainen for a third straight year? Well, I mean, if you look at the expansion draft, right? So you've got a, a one or two more defensemen that you would like to keep uh, but you can only protect three. Um, so does that leave Rasmus Ristolainen open? I, I would think not. The problem is if you leave Risto open, it, you're not getting anything in return. That the only thing you're getting is the cap space that you're saving, uh, over $5 million. But I do believe that Rasmus Ristolainen can get you a decent return. So you've got to look to trade if your idea was to say, hey, we, uh, we want to keep Dallin. We want to keep Yoki, Yoki Aryu. We want to protect Borgen. Those are the guys you'd think to protect to build for the future. That leaves Risto on the out. I would think that you'd be looking at a trade instead of losing him uh, and not get anything in return. So that's the number one thing. The, the thing with Risto is I believe he's strong. He, he can skate. He can be physical. 
Um, he's got a good shot. He can be, uh, you know, he creates some offense. I just don't think he gets the game and the systems and how to defend um, like he should. I mean, this is not a first or second year defenseman in the National Hockey League uh, and say, oh, he'll learn, he'll learn, he'll learn. By this point, you would think that some of the mistakes in coverage and some of the, that at times where he gets lost uh, in the defensive zone should uh, should be remedied. It shouldn't happen anymore. Now, some people are going to say, well, yeah, but he's had six coaches. I mean, it's hard for him to be able to to, to gather like what he's supposed to do. Uh, but at the same time, some when you get caught in, in, in your loss in your zone, you usually revert to your internal instincts. And I don't think that his defensive instincts are good at all. So I would I would definitely move on from Risto, and I would build with, like I said, Dallin, Yokiaru, uh, Samuelson, Borgen, Owen Power, if you pick him first. Uh, that's what I would be building with on the back end. Marty Baron joining us here on the Western Hotline. All right, Marty, I'll move on to the Stanley Cup final now. And, well, Montreal's now on the brink, down 3 nothing. Tampa Bay will look to close out the series on Monday with a sweep. It'll be the first sweep in the Stanley Cup final since 1998. Is Montreal done, Marty? Yeah, it actually feels a lot like 98. And we all remember in 98, the Sabres lost to Washington in the conference finals. Uh, and then Washington went out to play Detroit, and it was like, oh, my goodness, Washington just ran out of juice. Uh, Olaf Kolzig was human again. Uh, you know, their top players like Joe Juno and Adam Oates and all those guys uh, looked uh, like they, they ran out of gas. And this is what I'm seeing out of Montreal. Like, Carey Price looks human right now, where he was probably their most valuable player in the first three rounds. Uh, all of a sudden, Cole Caulfield is slowed down a little bit. Nick Suzuki slowed down. Josh Anderson, you're like, well, where is Josh Anderson? You're not seeing uh, anything out of him. The big four defense are not really getting the job done. So, yeah, for that matter, I think Montreal is done. And if you look at the first three games, game one, total domination by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game two, Montreal dominated the Tampa Bay Lightning and did not win. So that's one that got that, you know, that slipped away for Montreal in game three, they made Vasilevsky look human again. Like he got beat on three clean shots. Um, that doesn't usually happen to Vas- Vasilevsky often, but you still didn't win. So now you look at it, you say, okay, well, we dominated Tampa one game. We lost. We, you know, made the other goalie look bad and he gave, ba- gave up bad goals and we still lost. So I, it just doesn't look like it's in the cards for uh, the Montreal Canadiens and I would expect this is going to end Monday. If not, it's ending Wednesday. Uh, Tampa is not going to lose at home uh, to the Montreal Canadiens when they can clinch in front of their fans uh, and give them that, that, that satisfaction. Last year, Tampa won the Cup in the bubble in Edmonton. Uh, I think this year they want to close it out on Monday, but if not, Wednesday it's over. Who's going to win the Con Smythe, by the way? Because Braden Point had an excellent playoffs all leading up to the final, and all of a sudden in the final he hasn't really contributed much. I mean, he's still flying around, but he hasn't scored and he hasn't put up much production. But, you know, Andre Vasilevsky has arguably put up one of the best goaltending performances we've seen in the last dozen years or so uh, in net. So who do you believe comes away as the Con Smythe winner? Well, before the finals started, I had Vasilevsky point in Kucherov if I was looking at Tampa Bay. And in Montreal, it was. I think we lost Marty. 
All right. Well, we are running a little late, so uh, Marty, I apologize, and uh, I good hope, place to stop. Yeah, I, I hope that Marty has a uh, a good Fourth of July. I'll I'll shoot him a text and just uh, wish him that. But thanks, Marty, for coming on and joining us here and uh, and talking some Sabres hockey, Stanley Cup final hockey, and we'll we'll catch up definitely later. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Brayton Wilson filling in here for Nate Gary on Sports Talk Saturday. We'll come back, have a short segment, and then when we come back, we'll get to your mock Jack Eichel trade ideas. Already plenty of good options to talk about here and and, and trade ideas again. They could be legitimate. They could be crazy. They could be fun. They could be whatever you want to come up with. 803-0551-888-550-2550. You can call in, provide your thoughts that way. However you want to get on the show, I'm more than willing to uh, hear you out. Brayton Wilson filling in again for Nate Geary today on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. New exclusive stations from cutting edge country to acoustic sunrise and even yacht rock and everything in between. Check out the new exclusive stations on the Odyssey app today. Hi, thanks again to Marty Baron joining us here on WGR during Sports Talk Saturday, taking away from some time from his uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in today. And, uh, and there's more to come here. we still got two hours left on the show. We'll speak again with uh, Elliot Friedman coming up at 1230 as uh, we'll get the latest on the Sabres, the Stanley Cup final, and, and get the latest on what's going on potentially with any Jack Eichel movement in the NHL. Pat Malacaro is going to come on at 1 o'clock. We'll talk some Sabres hockey and Blue Jays baseball as... The Blue Jays will be back at again this afternoon at Salem Field in downtown Buffalo against the Rays. And then at 1.30, I'm going to uh, play back yesterday's interview that I had with Will Scouch from the Scouching Report. And if you didn't listen to it, you'll get a chance to listen to it again at 1.30. A really, really good chat with Will. Very, very well knowledgeable with the 2021 NHL draft class and also just a really, really good guy to talk to and and. If you don't know his work, he is on Twitter at Scouching, and he's also uh, on YouTube. You can look up the Scouching Report, and I think his handle on Twitter, is, uh, his channel is Scouching as well, so you be sure to subscribe. And he does a really nice job breaking down each prospect. He tracks information and really does a nice job of ranking each player and and really putting together some some nice looks into what the player could develop into. And, and he also yesterday... Uh, he kind of—I don't know if it was buyers beware or kind of did something like that—but when talking about Owen Power, he definitely said he was not sold on the idea of him going number one overall. So, in case you missed it yesterday, you can hear it at 1:30 today, or you can go ahead and check it out on demand at wgr550.com. A highly recommended interview, and uh, and check it out there. And again. You'll hear it at 1.30. We'll come back from break, and uh, we'll get you your interesting Jack Eichel mock trade ideas. There are plenty of good mock trades uh, that have been sent my way at BJ Wilson WGR. You can text them, tweet them. You can even call with your mock draft or your mock trade idea for Jack Eichel if you want, 803-0550 or 1-888-552-550. We're all open ears. Corey and I will have some fun coming back when we uh, get back from break here. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary on Sports Talk Saturday again thanks for tuning in thanks again for listening enjoy your fourth of july weekend right here on wgr wgr sports radio 550
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.